A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hello, hello. Welcome to the episode of <laughs> episode 27 of the Black Burial Podcast. My name is Mary and I'm in the room with... Israel. Edgim. Yeah, we're not going to give Edgim a, a special <laughs> intro anymore. Every time I come, my status <laughs> decreases steadily. Steadily. <laughs> steadily. It's not you your guests. You're not really a guest anymore. He's no. been on, what, four episodes? Five? Yeah. Four or five? He's on my fourth one. This is yeah, like, fourth episode. the fourth yeah. one. Yeah, but... Barely he, any. Been a more than you've been on more mm. episodes than Black Berea, <laughs> like actual people involved. So, <laughs> do you want I'm me or not? Do you want me or not? Flip we want you. We want you. We love you. We love you, Edgem. We love you so it's much. It's always a privilege. It was an honor. How are you guys doing? Hopefully, this is a day after France won the World Cup mm. in 2018. Mm. How you guys feeling? How you guys feeling? England went out on the semis. You guys sad about that? Yeah, no, I'm sad, man. England, England, nation was full of hope. But hope was quickly faded and <laughs> And France came. Blue tsunami. <laughs> Pogba at the helm. You're no, I such love a Man United France. fan. You know what it is. You know what it is already. Pogba Especially seeing all those African players as well. Mm. Shout out Guinea, shout out Cameroon, shout out Senegal. I, I saw today there was 15. I think it's 15 out of the... Is it 23 man, squ- 23 man squad? 23 yes. man squad. So 15 out of 23 yeah. were African. Pogba, mm. Matuidi, Mbappe, Lamar. Remy, mm. Titi, mm. I could say everyone, Sidibe, Kante, Mendy, mm. Zonzi, Dembele, mm. say it again. all of them, mm. 15 players. What do you guys think about that, having so many players <coughs> on the African team? I mean, so many African players on the French team as World Cup winners. Listen, if you want the best, <laughs> say it right. I don't think they heard you. You don't, I don't, say it again. I know why I go mm. for diamonds and gold. Mm. We know the content hey. we go for. <laughs> same thing for the pitch. No, but at the same time, you think, if they played for the actual countries yeah, that they're they're yeah, from, yeah. obviously a lot of these players were actually born in France. Yeah. Yeah. But if they play from the country that their parents were from, yeah. or they're originally from, yeah. so to speak, not necessarily actually, because if they play for if they wanted to play for the country that they're originally from, which I'm sure many of them had an idea to. Yeah, uh, mate, development wise and like, um, but and then like, look at the know, pure talent some of these people have. Um, you know, it, it's talent, but it's a team game, so like, it's tough being like the wonder kid so if say you're like a I don't know yeah. um, a Kante Kante what from Mali originally yeah he to play from Mali uh, I mean he'll be captain he'll take all the set pieces but like I get what you're saying you know I, mean? I think it'll, re- it'll really be like an issue of like serious patriotism if you want to do that <clears throat> but I don't I don't I don't I don't have no issue with him playing for a European country because their men are proudly Africans mm. outside off the pitch their clips and that the dancing Kim Pepe Oh my but it wasn't goodness. even just it's not even just France if you think of Belgium as well you've got Lukaku yeah, you've got Dembele yeah, yeah. you've got a lot more black players that play for them and so if you if you add that, that country and then maybe uh, you know even England and yeah. you think of all the different players like if they originally mm. played for their countries that's yeah. more than just one player you've yeah, actually got five enough, six enough. good players yeah fair enough you know what it's, it is a sad state of affairs but I love the way the man just keep it hunted keep it yeah. half yeah play they definitely didn't leave music. that at all play definitely didn't number. 
<laughs> and even as England was going out, there was some um, the day after President Trump came to came to mm, England mad. for his for his visit. A lot, he, he he did a he lot definitely actually. Made sure everyone knew he was here. He did a lot. He went from I think he quickly insulted Theresa May, yeah. saying that he gave her the strategy, but yeah. he, she didn't she didn't want you to know take what he it. Suggested to her. What did he suggest? Um, that she sue the EU. So you sue the EU? Why? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a gangster. Sue. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like the advisors like were sitting around once they heard that they thought, what? <laughs> As this guy who came up in the minutes of that meeting, this comes under Trump's miscellaneous statement. Just you know, one of those statements he makes on the cuff. But I, yeah, I saw I saw I saw the Trump baby balloon. Yeah, it was Trump like, baby. Live in the flesh or live in the plastic, whatever. He was rude to the Queen, you know, didn't have yeah. any protocol, walked in front of the Queen. Mm. Oh I was shaking. I was like, How I can't do that yeah. to Queen Elizabeth? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, and of course there was a lot of protests as well. Yeah. On a weekday. Yeah, it was what, a Thursday? It was, was a Friday. 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 Would you would you guys would you guys go to the protest? Would you have went to the protest? Would I have gone? Um no only not not as a affirmation of trump more so as a i just couldn't imagine myself actually pulling the energy maybe that says something it's just just the energy that's that's Uh, i I don't i mean because i wouldn't and it's more than energy i've got energy (laughs) (laughs) i i know how to best describe it i don't maybe energy is not the right word um i just don't think Essentially, I think the the position of the UK doesn't lend itself for meaningful um, resistance towards Trump. Mm. The UK really, and this is one of those things where I feel very um, sad for Theresa May. The UK is not really in a position to be resisting the US in a in a really tangible way. Um, in terms of Brexit and what, what oh, I so, is a, so is it right now as being a foreign it's been a sort of a, a diplomat for our foreign affairs yeah. like, saying, like honestly we don't we don't have anything to our name to really stand against that um, whereas I think in the US protests and resistance probably has a, not probably it does has a lot a lot more weight because the staying power you're present there you're more involved with the actual political structure and machine as opposed to just a visit where he's, where he's well, he's not left now. He's in Scotland, isn't it? Yeah. I think he's not left Scotland. No, I think he's oh, okay. so he's, golf, yeah. his golf course in Yeah, so he's gone up, back, yeah. and yeah. that's 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 the full length of it. It's that's done. Two days, two days our busy, relationship yeah. now is only left to our political leaders mm-hmm. to continue, and we take apart from maybe social media and stuff, but we, it's not as forceful, I should say, as if you were in the US involved in more in, inherently in the process. But shouldn't there be a sense of wanting to, not just doing it for some sort of foreign um, relationship, but actually being wanting to be upstanding and moral and seeing someone as Trump as arguably abhorrent and Mary, not wanting would you to join that crowd? I wouldn't have gone to the protest, but <clears throat> shouldn't Theresa May? Because I, I even read today mm. that apparently Prince Charles and Prince William they didn't they didn't attend. They went to yeah. they had other things to go to where right. they would normally meet. Um, presidents or prime ministers um, and you just wanted to take that that sort of stand to say actually Trump has suggested and done a lot of things that are very that are very wrong hmm. and I can make a stand by saying no because I think even when initially when Trump was elected as president there was a lot of kind of we're not going to invite him over we're not going to invite him over yeah so it's like are we doing it now just because of Brexit and we need America it's not even just a Brexit we've needed America since World War Two. true we they 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 are the only reason other countries haven't felt 
haven't been in a place to legitimately attack us. They are our defense. Like I know we have a, a defense system, not to not to undermine the British Army or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But in, in on a global scale, the US is our defense, mm. um, and it's not even just defense. We have obviously obviously lots of trade deals with them. We have um, a deep connectedness in terms of diplomatic relations and so on. We're connected to America in so many different avenues um, that I think one of those, one of, and this is probably, it's one of those things that has to come into play when we think about dip, diplomacy. One of, one, the difficulty with Trump is that he's, he's the person and our relationship is twofold. We have a relationship to the person, Trump, but we also have a relationship to the office of presidency. Mm-hmm. So we need to separate the two. We don't, nobody, right, whether you're for or against Trump, which is, anyway, yeah, no one is against the presidency, that office. The only resistance is against Trump. But the question is, in our resistance to Trump, do we inherently resist the office of president? Can we separate the two? If we can, how do we do that? Such that when Trump leaves, we haven't damaged our relationship to the presidency. I think it's a principles thing, like... I think I don't I don't think those two things are like definitely mutually exclusive. I do think actually mm. if you wanna be if you wanna be a nation which UK, you know, um tries to position itself as the moral compass of the world, the bastion of mm. democracy and free and, and you know and liberty, you know, and, and those are strong principles and if you wanna, you know, continue to show those principles as your your, you know, most important um part of your society then I think there will be there will be times where perhaps you know there'll be a cost mm. to you you mm. know prefer, you know being consistent with what you believe and I think sometimes it may come to that I think I'll be impressed with a leader you know who shows integrity to like pursue their principles and ideals at the cost perhaps of some economic benefit obviously I'm not saying bank up the nation but mm. if it's something that you can forego in terms of like you know um, optics. Maybe don't be seen with Trump, or don't be seen with a leader who perhaps you don't agree with. Then don't be seen with him. Yeah, mm. I'm not saying that's what three should do. I don't. Yeah, with Trump, I don't. My view on him, like, it's not even here or there, but he's the president of America. I have to respect that, and yeah. so you know, and obviously, like, any injustice, speak out against it. But I, I hate Israel because I don't. You're speaking like a statesman, but <laughs> I think, if, I think you know, leaders in the past were trying to be like inspirational leaders who have put their principles. Um, at the forefront of all their decisions, and and you know, and 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 not have not and not had those be diminished or you know or subverted by anything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Trump, he's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, it's a matter of diplomacy yeah. and wanting to have a healthy relationship Therefore, with mm-hmm. a neighbor, but also wanting to keep your distance. Um, just yeah. because you, you think you don't agree with all the things that he's saying. And I think I think Theresa May did a, a good balance. Because even when she spoke, she goes, of course, she, she ignored like the disagreements, but she was very yeah. much like, we've been a good neighbor and we mm. need to continue this relationship, mm. especially in this and, time. And um, their like, press conference at the Chequers, um, she was very open in terms of her approval and commendation for immigration. Mm-hmm. So even though she didn't say, I disagree with Trump on XYZ, there was almost an implicit. We're not we're like I'm not. I'm not just following this guy. Yeah. You know, um, uh, blindfolded kind of thing. And I do disagree because I actually, you know, she was. She made very very positive statements about immigration, which inherently Trump wouldn't agree with. Yeah. Based off of what we said before, so in her own way, whether we like it fully or not, I think she tried to 
Also stand her ground. Yeah. Also, also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Mrs. May, I think today, I think there's a ninth resignation. Uh, I think Scott Mann, the prim- parliamentary private secretary, I've never heard of him. I don't know what he does. We'll, we'll go to our political correspondent, Edgem, in a few few moments, just to kind of flesh that out for us. But yeah, there's been nine people that have re- resigned. Of course, a lot, there's a, if you think of the senior people like Boris Johnson and David Davis. Is that his name? Um, but yeah, so what do you guys think about Brexit? Uh, there, was, there was calls today around having a second referendum, which Mrs. Miss Theresa May was like, we're definitely not doing that. But just in terms of the collapse that it seems that like we're having at the moment, what do you guys think about that as a Remainer lever or just the overarching point of Brexit and wanting to be a free state? What do you think, Edgem? Uh, so what is, so what's the key? Like what, like how, how we should... I will read it like yeah just everything just of course like a lot of people are resigning yeah, yeah, yeah. uh the white paper it's white paper came out last week it's managed, it's managed, i think we're moving somewhat to what's going to happen but yeah, again yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's the whole idea of a soft brexit hard brexit it's mad, it's mad. i yeah. don't envy Theresa May. you know do you know i don't envy her position at all it's it's it's, it's difficult it's almost yeah untenable. yeah you know i mean uh, you got really outspoken people in your cabinet like who have left and some still there well no those who have left are really because the cabinet now is pretty much, I think, mm. what she wants. Um, but you had people who were in the cabinet, Mr. Johnson, who, like, <laughs> most outspoken people. And, like, quite eloquent and quite, like, you know, he's, you know, former, like, what, editor. You know yeah. what I mean? So he, he, he knows how to, like, command the air of, of people and people listen to him, even though they might say chats, you know, controversial, says controversial things or says things that are a lot, like, palatable. Mm. But, he, but you listen to him, innit? And, um... Uh, it's tough, man. Like, I think, you know, I, I, I'm i convicted to pray for Theresa May because, like, I just think of her, like, mental well-being yeah. and her, like, her um, her mind and her and her just emotional state at the moment because I'm not, you know, above whether Brexit is right or wrong and what the white paper says and how we're going to, how we're going to negotiate the custom unions agreement and what would, what would, you know, training with EU look like after Brexit. This is a human being who's yeah. in an almighty office. Yeah. You know, office that is really right now like the most focused on in Europe, possibly in the world, because um, the ramifications that Brexit has. And it's just, you got, you know, I wonder how many hours she gets. I wonder, like, you know, she must go to bed thinking about one issue, wake up, waking up to 10 more issues. Yeah. Mm. And she gets a lot of criticism and a lot of stick. And she gets a lot of personal criticism. Yeah. That's why I, I draw the line. I think that's when I think even like as a believer, I try to draw the line, even like discussing with friends. Mm. Like I try not to get involved in um, uh, uh, sort of criticism that attacks the person of that personality. Mm. Um, I try not to get involved in in in, in that sort of, um, I've forgotten the term now. Oh my goodness. What's the term? When you, you attack the person, not the argument. But anyway, oh, you, ad hominem. Yeah. Ad hominem, is it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I tried to get, I tried to avoid that because God, you know, made in God's image. You, mm. you, have, you know, I don't, just because I'm against her view or, or whatever doesn't mean I should attack her. She's still God's minister in that office. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So try to remember that at the moment. But yeah, it's a crazy time. It's an exciting time in British politics. It's. It's, I guess, you have to just remember that it affects real people. So how does it affect, you know, people and stuff? And um, and just, like, try to be, I think we all have to be politically aware. Like, let's not try and, you know, um, think that it's beyond us or too, like, intellectual. Let's try our best to, like, know as much as we can because this mm. is, politics is real. Yeah. You know mm. I mean? So do you think she should resign? 
Ah, uh, if she resigned now, I would, I, I wouldn't be like surprised. I don't think she will because I think like she seems like she wants to kind of see it through. I think yeah, she, I you've think, started it. Yeah. You should end it, yeah. shouldn't you? I think she's principled enough to like try and see it through as much as she can. If she resigned now, it would be a bit of a, it would be. I mean, we're in the turmoil. It would be an absolute mm. Maya. For, you know, like so now that I want Tory leadership mm. um, um, uh, election and. We don't need that right now. We should focus on what, how nation going to move on the next step. You think a responsible leader who who cares for the lives of the people, you would assume that something like this, they would use all their energy to focus on making this work as much as possible for the for the least man. Yeah. And the rest of the society, I think resigning will be. Uh, yeah, I think those who want to resign are those who sort of attack her her character. Yeah. As opposed to anything else. And those who are vying for her position as well. Yeah. Or trying yeah, to make course, their own moves. Of course, of course. Um, what do you think, Israel? I don't think she should resign. Only on the premise of um, her, you know, integrated role so far. Um, I just couldn't imagine someone else coming from the outside, taking up all the responsibility, trying to catch up, first of all, mm-hmm. on everything that's happened so far. And then process all of it, distill it down into a concise like position, and then move forward in a short space of time. Like that's just not, it's not realistic. Not so. I'm I'm saying she should stay, not necessarily because I think she's. I don't actually know what's going on behind doors, but yeah, not because I think she's doing a good job or anything like that. But I think um, seeing it through will do more good than someone coming from the outside trying to pretend to be some superhero esque character. Mm. trying to fix everything overnight mm. yeah and I just like the, the, to be a leader like everyone is oh, I want to be a leader and you sort of have these romantic views but when you sort of just deep what that office requires it is a lot of it's almost beyond the human capability yeah. mm. to look after the affairs obviously not single handedly but very much the final decision at many points um, in as much as you know majority of, uh, of uh, policies go through the house of the house of parliament but you know you're the executive and like mid t- what 60 how many odd million 60 or 70 million mm. in, in yeah UK, uh you have to consider all these individuals mm. education health um defense. social care defense yeah um it's a lot man housing and then plus domestic issues you have issues across over border because you still as Britain you still have you know matters over the sea, overseas to deal with you still have troops in other nations and you still want to provide aid and then you have Brexit and you like and she's she's married and she gets sleep eat like mm. this is a big job yeah. man so we have to pray for our leaders yeah. what, what that's, a, that's that made me think like what do you think makes a good leader ah oh, like I'm not a leader Mary I can ask me <laughs> But um, in, I'm sure you have. I'm lead, you've been academic in theory. You've been yeah, in right, at right. leadership positions. Um, you've seen good leaders. Like yeah, what do you, what do you, when you see someone, you think, ah, oh, yeah. this, this was what makes yeah. them a good leader. I, I, I think one of the best things about, well, like, what, the key things in leaders that, the best thing about leaders that I admire are, um, charisma, mm. uh, and not just like make people laugh and like giving good speeches that are eloquent but just being able to deal with people from different backgrounds mm. I think a leader who himself perhaps has got him or herself who has gone sort of had a very interesting background and is able then to communicate to different types of people is a very effective leader and also very charismatic mm. uh, because as a leader you want you want people to be persuaded by your point by your principle by your values mm-hmm. do you get me yeah and um, I think when you when you can cut across barriers like culture and language and perception um using a language that 
can be uh, understandable to different types of people I think yeah. that's you know that charisma is very 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 effective and if, like influential mm. what do you think makes a good leader Israel? Yeah. someone that aspires to be a leader one day in um, ministry is he there are so <laughs> many uh, facets uh, okay I think there's a sense of vision mm-hmm. um, and direction leaders essentially take people from A to B um, and they not only can I think yeah usually a good leader sees something that people can't see just quite yet and other people only start to see it once they're halfway along the journey and they start to see the scaffolding and realize oh wait hold on this is like the the vision that the person was taking us towards and then there's like an energy that flows from that shared vision energy Um, energy so they have this visionary aspect to them um they also have a to a degree an ability to bring all together to to actually work and complete tasks towards that vision Mm. so it's not just it's not just saying hey look at that thing this is what i envision for the company or the church or the country but here are the things we're going to do to meet that vision the actual actions that are going to um follow from that um one more two more actually (laughs) (laughs) one more two more (laughs) um they also distill down a set of values Mm -hmm. that shapes the people not just in terms of you know what we want but in terms of who they become Mm -hmm. so i think there's a part of meeting a vision or seeing a vision that actually changes the the character of the people being led um and the last one is an exemplary nature that they everything they're showing people everything they're trying to lead the people to do everything that they want the people to value and hold up to they exemplify that to the that's quite degree. key that's major yeah. key yeah so mm. I remember um, <laughs> listen, listening not listening was it listening reading or listening about uh, Elon Musk anyway um, the <coughs> CEO of Tesla and SpaceX and how he works his um staff and employees to the bone and he said that and one of the things he said is that i think it was an interview yeah that whenever he sends out an email saying we need to work extra hours he'll do a three hours on top of whatever he's told other people to do and that he's always in the office before everyone else and he leaves after everyone else and he's the ceo and it's like i'm not asking you to do anything that i'm not already committed to mm. um and but we're not only the same wage though <laughs> bro, 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 pay me that in it. Keep that, that same energy, that bro. Fair. That is fair. Um, an example, an exemplar, an exemplar point. I think that's actually very mm. important. Probably maybe more important than my point because I think we look at Christ and mm. his, him being an example, mm. almost as though if he didn't say one word on this earth, right. his message was still be loud and clear almost yes. because of the you know yeah. the, the way he lived his yeah. life perfect and mm. i think to see an example is always easier at times than to hear mm. what oswald you're meant chambers. to do you know yeah, what i mean book, spiritual di- um, he's that, he's that. leadership oswald chambers is like a theologian i don't remember what century but not with us right um, anymore <laughs> um he he has a, a line in, in the spiritual leadership his book um, that ex- example is more potent than precept. So Obviously, yeah. yeah, to say to to show and live yeah, out yeah, yeah, yeah. what you want people to do is more potent, more um, effective 
than to say it and state it. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good thing. I remember mm. in secondary school where um, it was so funny. So you had this teacher and she'd be like, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke. And then one day, one day we were like going from, I think it was after school, we saw her smoking. We were like, miss, you smoke. You've yeah. told us never to smoke. Yeah. And she was like, oh, do as I do. Not, no, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, literally yeah. how the world, that's yeah, the world's yeah, kind yeah, of ethos. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Whereas good leaders are those who actually say, do as I do. And as I say, mm. um, which mm, is, that could preach. yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. And you, you sounded like you studied spiritual leadership already. And it was all there's an article that um Israel sent me about um the art of patience and how we're mm. running out of patience. So mm. Israel, I'm gonna hand this to you to just kind of what you thought of the article. One second, let me get my pen and notepad. <laughs> <clears throat> we all expect instant gratification, that's what the title says, oh, and it's politics yeah. that's suffering. Mm. So it was on the spectator by Jamie Bartlett. And just around the idea of us wanting instant gratification, and that does apply to politics in a sense of yeah. when we don't see an uh, immediate change. Yeah. Like with Brexit, yeah. we it's been over two years. It's, yeah. yeah, it's been over two years since yeah, we yeah. we voted Leave, yeah. and nothing's really happened. Oh, this is terrible. I'm done with politics. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and do you guys see that in just general life, and how do you kind of relate to it in politics as well? Hundred percent. Like when we're, in, we're generation instant, isn't it? Like generation mm. now. Um, social media, smartphones, technology, where there are many positives and many valid like benefits to human life and like human living. They also have the big cons, and I think one of the cons is just the expectation for things to happen instantly mm. at your fingertips. Um, so of course, like it's not hard to like you know agree to that point that we are like losing the art of patience mm. because why should we wait for something where we can usually get what we want in seconds? Do you know what I mean? So how that relates to politics is similar. Um, and it's weird because politics is usually quite a slow moving machine, especially like, you know, our, our, our sort of like democracy, which has to go through so many various um, stages of, you know, if you're passing a bill, some, you know, a, a few readings um, and then goes through both houses and another reading and then some amendments and then mm. MPs can challenge and, maybe it goes to the public referendum at times, you know, and then, do you know what I mean? So there's, so we are, we are like, in, in, in terms of like politics, we don't always see instant change. Mm. And for people who have in, instancy in other areas of our life, that can be challenging and then you lose patience and you lose like, and you, you know, people get quickly irritated with politicians, etc. Um, But like, you know, it's, I think that's when you have to sort of educate people to remember that especially when you're dealing with things you know things like politics and society and policies that affect human lives you know it's probably best to be more considered than be more reflective and be more slow mm. um and it and it's always almost always positive in before making decisions just pausing and thinking mm. again yeah um you know that sort of sober-mindedness sort of just remembering the um the the key things and not being distracted by the noise um i think i think it's even i think i'm just thinking now just using the word so you know uh, sobriety even just i think even like even in my uh, devotion it is getting it does get hard sometimes especially like when you're like i don't know in a rush and stuff or you try and use your phone to read the bible um it's like it's 
you just feel like you need to do things in a rush. Mm. You forget that actually I can pause and take my time here a bit. Yeah. Um, so it just, it really goes through all facets and especially with devotion, obviously you benefit from really considered and like, you know, um, a, a steady pace to really read and absorb text. And, and even when you're studying, like just generally, again, that sort of approach is probably more beneficial than reading a Wikipedia article instantly. Um, do you know what I mean? And then, mm. you know, when, when we like, you know, when we, when we hear about, I don't know, something trending, quickly we'd like the just I don't know the sound bites yeah we now we now become <laughs> experts and that's that's quite shallow knowledge and yeah. it, it doesn't last very far equally I think you have to allow for you know in politics for there to be time for things to change um steadily because anything rush is usually not done well do you know mm. what I mean so it's it's a balance because there is pros to like instancy we have in society but also there's the, I think there's a lot to be said for you know considered steady approach to a lot of mm. area of lives like politics mm. it seems an issue that young people face i remember listening to something i think it's a q a mark dever who's a pastor at capitol hill yeah in washington he's talking about in the church generally young people tend to be very quick and and very you know productive and wanting to do things and older people tend to be very slow and yeah, yeah, and yeah. understanding the breadth of something and wanting to yeah, take their yeah, time yeah. and just and he was almost trying to encourage young people to just be patient. Mm-hmm. So if you see something in your church, you're like, oh, why don't we do this? Let's just do it. Let's implement it. And you speak to someone, they're like, okay, oh, let me think about it. And then three months later, like, let's do it, let's do yeah, it. And it, yeah, and it's yeah, actually yeah. taking that considered time, as you said, yeah, to yeah. really wait and do it properly. Because mm. then you learn wisdom, you learn to wait. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. Um, that balance is important. Yeah, yeah, I think there is a balance. There is a balance. <laughs> people sometimes a balance. Take a time, man. <laughs> I, I found the, the subtitle of the article very interesting. So, the lost art of patience. Um, we all expect instant gratification and it's politics that's suffering. And I almost wanted to edit it and say, actually, it's people that are suffering. Mm. Um, and politics is, is merely the art of living well together. Mm. Um, and so, essentially, to sort of reorder and say... Before it hits politics, it's hit people. And the reason mm. it's hitting politics is because it's hitting people. Yeah. Um, and so that, but yeah, so we, we live in a culture that heavily favours instancy over um, patience, which means there are so many things we miss out on. And we don't even realise we miss out on because mm. we are productive. Like we produce things. Yeah. And so it's easy to settle because we, we can't imagine, we don't, or we don't have time to slow down and imagine how something could have been so much more better if we had slowly works through it because we have the result right now mm. it's kind of like um if you disagree with me then that's your that's your shame um it's kind of like microwave pizza if that's all you have you put it in four minutes later you're like this is amazing but have you tried making slow cooked pizza boy that thing will change your life <laughs> listen <laughs> listen find one authentic italian restaurant let them take their time with it. You will never go back. Ah, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I can't wait at restaurants. I'm telling you. <laughs> I know I said we're allowed about balance. Look at re- restaurants, please. <laughs> as soon as I good. order, as soon as I give I'm you so that bad. menu, we need to be exchanging the food, mate. You know? <laughs> no, no, obviously, like it's that's the thing. Like, even food, mm. even that, like microwave food, for example. Do you know what I mean? Like you know all these, you know every part of like our lives you sort of see like um, a need to satisfy our instant urge. Yeah. Um, and it is like, I guess it is an indictment on our sort of like, you know, um, inability now to reflect and consider 
things. That's 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 all, that's all like extrapolating, hmm. you know, those sort of things we see. Um, and there are benefits. There are benefits like yeah. to going on my phone and quickly googling, yeah. you know, X Y Z, yeah. and to. Yeah. I ordered something from Prime um, Amazon the other day and I got it the same day. Hmm. I need to cry. That's a I've never I ordered it at that. 11 o'clock and it came at 6 and I said, this wow. is sick. Wow. I said, yes. Wow. And like, and then think about if I was to order something else and it's like, we're going to take three to five working days. You're like, You're like yeah. oh, 2018, that's, seriously? That's years away. Let me find yeah. something else. Whereas back in the day, three to five days were standard, that's standard. Right. and you lived yeah. your life around it. Yeah. But no. So how do you guys try and cultivate patience? Because obviously patience Ooh. is a fruit of the spirit. So what ways are you trying mm. to, what ways do you try to? I heard to a re- quote the other day from some brother. What do you say? Um, basically, in essence, the, the quote was saying like, um, like they were, so the Christian talking about like, they were spending time in the Bible so that they can, like they were spending like adequate time, patient time in the word so that they could equally be able to provide like counsel or, or, or sort of, mm. you know, produce good fruit well sort of you know well not seasoned but you know well developed fruit um, and you know gifts for the church Uh, they were sort of spending adequate time they needed to to like um, build up their their soul build up their 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 gifts build up their sort of spiritual maturity to be able to be a blessing Mm. to others Um, and I guess it's looking ahead so that article referred to daily gratification remembering that that is actually um, it's, it's 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 something that even believers we look forward to. Mm. Obviously, ultimately in glory, it's sort of a gratification that's not right now. It, it's it's coming, but we're not not sure when. So we refer to as delayed, as long as the Lord will tarry. Um, and when you don't see immediate fruits or immediate benefits from whatever you want, um, time will come. You know, uh, according to the Lord's time, where uh, you'll be able to I don't know enjoy that thing or to be able to be that person mm. um, but the work is needed to be done now to cultivate yourself in whatever gift you have uh, or, or whatever it may be to be able to be ready to sh- display that gift or to fulfill that call of ministry or to you know ready for the next step um, it's I mean it's, it's it's a science that the world uses you know what I mean um, mm. you know you sort of hibernate whether you're studying or, or whatever and then the day will come where you can be ready for that job or whatever i yeah. think there's similar principles in the word and even from what we know even from proverbs in describing you know the ant and you know how they there's a time for there to work you know yeah. and to and to labor um and to and to wait to enjoy the benefits that they you know that of the of the you know of the harvest and the food and the crops it's like when winter comes you know you're fine um so there's there's there, there is definitely when when you feel like you're just waiting and there isn't that seeming, you know, I don't know, that benefit you're looking for or that thing you're praying for. Um, time of waiting is almost equally as good as time you enjoy that, mm. that gift or that benefit because yeah. you're praying that the Lord allows you to be ready for when it comes, if it mm. comes, of course. So, yeah. Mm. Ezra? Um, two things in, or three things actually. In my mind. Is it three or two? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, first of all, I think practicing patience in the small things. Uh, if, you know, just an example, you have this um, amazing piece of Krispy Kreme's donut you bought, you know, from work and you've been dying to eat it when you get home and just saying, I'll have it tomorrow. Just randomly saying, I'll have it tomorrow. And waiting. Then your auntie comes and eats it. 
to be fair, that's a joke. I felt that. I felt that because it's happened a number of times. <laughs> I've had to have a family meeting and say, listen, people, just comes in and eats that, that donut you want. I'll, I'll, I'll kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just, I don't know, like basically practicing in the small things so that your mind is forced to think about the, the virtue of patience um, mm. and to see it as something that doesn't actually get rid of the beauty of that thing you want you know the the donut does not lose its t- well this is where the analogy might break down <laughs> but you know in principle it's, if you're eating it within the date set an indestructible donut <laughs> yes yes yeah for sake of argument <laughs> it won't lose its taste because you delayed it till tomorrow morning um it doesn't lose its presence or its substance um and so on and the second thing that came to mind is prayer um, this is a bit, yeah. So, in terms of a more spiritual, I guess, act, um, prayer when it comes to decision making um, forces you to slow down the decision making process because it's very easy to say, okay, I don't know, we're in a church staff meeting and we want to make this decision, and it's very clear what we should decide, and we say, let's do it. Actually, let's not do it. Let's pray and let's mm. regroup next week. You might make the same decision. Most likely, you will yeah. make the same decision, but the act of prayer forces you to be patient and reminds you of who you're meant to be dependent on on all in all decisions even the ones that appear to be very clear in terms of what's um what the the action needs to be um and the third one i forgot so it was two <laughs> wow there we go everyone you can rest in peace now the tension is over it was I, think two tension is over. <laughs> I think with patience as well like your daily learning patience yeah. so I was, I was listening to a podcast a while ago by law ferguson wilbur i think her name is and she she was single for a long time before she got married and now she's trying to have a child and she was like in every stage of our life we're yeah. waiting for something yeah, yeah. so even if you get married you're waiting for a child if you're even if you have a child you're waiting for your child to get saved yeah. you're waiting for your child to get you know you're just yeah. constantly waiting until we ultimately meet our, our bridegroom um and i think for me i've just learned patience through providence like i i think mm. like there's so many times where i'm driving that's tyler somewhere. mary's book i know good bookstores um, <laughs> patience yeah. it? patience in providence um, oh, like, driving even on saturday i was New driving all over london mm. and i was supposed to get somewhere at a certain time and i was running late and i was driving and i was just felt like you know when you just feel like all the other drivers just want to see you fail i was just like <laughs> can you why are you driving so slow i was like it's yellow but you're slowing like can you just move mm. and i was just thinking patience like mm. patience and then thinking more about the lord in terms of how patient he was with his disciples hmm. and how much yeah, he's yeah, yeah, waited yeah, on yeah. the lord how much he prayed and yeah, just trying yeah, to be yeah. more like him but yeah i think patience is definitely a, a tough one especially in our world where everything is instant and we want everything yeah. to be done now yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah it's definitely a toughie um another, <laughs> another good article we, i saw this week or i think it was israel that sent it to me was about love um and what is love um so that's going to be something we're going to kind of talk about for a bit um <laughs> singing some mutual some music shows well. insert summer love song <laughs> but You're yeah i picked a type smooth on blackberry radio um but yeah i think the title was like every day millions of people ox google life's most difficult question of what is love wow and, and as you kind of go through the articles there's like anthropologists mm. there's yeah. behavioral scientists mm. there's love consultants and they, they right. definitely try and break down what love is um and i just had 
kind of my first question was around um because so, so basically in in the article it talks about how people are daily reminded that romantic love is disappointing them yeah and i think of course we think of the movies we think of mm. we've all seen rom-coms and we know how it's supposed to be you're supposed to find a lingering eye and you be like oh, i love you i, I love don't you. watch rom-coms just for the record you've never seen you never watch a rom-com so i don't watch rom-coms you never watch a rom-com i watch documentaries rom-com documentaries <laughs> And it was, and the, the article was saying that romantic love is disappointing us. I kind of thought, what do you guys think about that? Do you think romantic love is disappointing in the wow. world sense? So when we think of marriage, I don't think romantic love would. As someone who's getting married, Edgem. Oh. I actually went. I came. I went to a marriage seminar last Saturday. Cheers. Couple and, days. And, and the reference to like romantic love, and um, uh, so the question is: in the world today, romantic love. Do you think it's disappointing? And wh- why is it disappointing, actually? That's probably a better question. Because romantic love isn't the true essence of love. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, like, you sit in your living room and you and you smell this fragrance coming from the kitchen. You smell the <laughs> ebba, pounder, jello, mm-hmm. you smell it. Rice and peas. You smell it, right? Very and that, that gives you the thrills. That isn't the food, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, that smell is all well and good. But the true essence of the goodness is in the food. Mm. Romantic love is like the smell, lads and ladettes. <laughs> it is the, it's the, it's 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 not just a benefit. It's more than that. It's like a co-product of the essence of love, mm. the That's feelings, deep. the thrills. That's what it is because mm. it evokes emotion. That's what smell does. It evokes mm. emotion. It evokes a reaction, but it doesn't satisfy. It's the but food that satisfies. It's the food that satisfies mm. somebody. Is it your keys or what? Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the food. The it's food the is the substance of the love. It's the food of the love. No, but honestly. But the smell pulls you in. The smell pulls I'm following you. So following, following, following. So you need the smell. We're going somewhere. Hold on. Let's put our seatbelts on, You need the smell. You need the smell. So you listen. So the smell, with or without the smell, right? This food is there. You know, but. That's true. of love. Obviously, we know God is love. So we the world love is is uh is devoid of the, of, of god and so uh the world the world sees love as only that smell that ro- that romantic that very you know um peripheral temporal uh thrill that is you know temporal basically um without actually recognizing and um uh, enjoying the true essence of love which comes from god himself uh, and so the essence of love, which is God, is replaced by what is a byproduct of love. And because that thing is temporal and it fades, when you put all your hope in that and it finally fades, you think you've lost love or you fell yeah. out of love, but you actually were never in love. You were just mm. in, you know, just in, you were, you know, you were, I guess you could say you were like in love with the idea of love, mm. but not love itself. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because love itself is always giving, like, mm. it's a selfless act, love. Uh, it's, you should never think of love in, in, to receive. Although in that food analogy, you eat the food, but that's we'll work on that later. Um, <laughs> so that's where the world fails. Yeah, and I think I think even when you think of when people say I fell out of love yeah. with that person, so as soon as that emotional kind of smell is gone, yeah, 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 now yeah. you feel like you have no love. You whereas have no love. you're reminded that love is more than just the emotions; exactly. it's actually the commitment behind the love. So I'm waiting for your food analogy, Israel. Well. <laughs> so what's love like? Is it like? <laughs> what <Word> am <of> alone? <laughs> what am <of> alone? What am alone? That is too funny. That's, 
yeah, uh, even um, sorry, yeah. just, just to quote someone, I think a uh, Catherine Ben Benjamin in the article she says, "Where I see the <laughs> Benjamin, I don't know what her name oh, is. Sorry, woman. where I see the biggest problem is not necessarily people falling in love; it's sustaining it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Israel, what's your thoughts? Um, I think part of the 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 tragedy of romantic love in our culture is it's unrealistic expectations mm. um, that it's when you it, think the food tastes nicer than it is mm, am I going am I still no we'll judge it later it's my carry on here's a food analogy it's kind of like chocolate cake okay right. you have this like urge for chocolate cake mm-hmm. and you think it's going to be the most amazing thing ever and you have an idea of what it needs to taste like mm. And you have a bite and it meets that expectation entirely and it blows your mind. Mm-hmm. And you have another bite and it's the same. Mm-hmm. The third is the same. Mm-hmm. Fourth, you're like, mm. fifth, you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Sixth, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> too much sugar, sugar and everything. <laughs> Seventh, you're like, why they put so much chocolate in this? Mm-hmm. Oh. Eighth, you're like, okay, I'm tired. Eighth. <laughs> <laughs> the cake is still not finished. It's a big bug. <laughs> it's a big bug. But it's just like, you know, it meets your immediate expectation but then there's a like a rapid decline mm. and I think a lot of people in our culture a lot of us not to make it sound like I'm not part of it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, are have that view we enter it and it meets that view mm. like, at the outset but it isn't sustained and because it's not sustained then we quote fall out of love um, because we almost become intoxic like sick mm. of love um, quite literally um which means, I guess, for us, what we need to do really is rethink our expectation or understanding of love. And Edgem's definition, I think, is, is is right on the mark, perfect. And seeing it as giving, um, as fundamentally orientated around the other, mm. as opposed to um, the self. Um, and actually, so I'm just thinking of a, of a quote now. Um, what's her name? Elaine Scarry mm. wrote a book called On Beauty and being just and she talks about the idea of beauty and says one of the things that beauty does when we see someone as beautiful when we see someone as captivated mm. we experience a decentering, which means that we not that we cease to think the world revolved around us because it never did but that even our world ceases to revolve around us mm-hmm. and that beautiful thing becomes the center and it's almost a sense in which true love when it sees the beauty of the other centers our lives from ourselves mm-hmm. that we shift the questions from how does it please me what is it how does it give me feelings of ecstasy and um happiness but how and the questions become how can i meet their needs how can i satisfy their wants how mm-hmm. can i um make them flourish mm. it puts them at the at the end of the of the sense as opposed to the self mm. um and with that sort of mindset what actually happens is that there's a there's a constancy that comes out of it um that isn't the 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 judgments or the or like the what's a better word than judgments um the conclusions we come to Mm. in a relationship do not hinge ultimately on us because that's that's how we we fall out of love we say things like i'm just not happy anymore yeah that's a big one you don't make me feel good anymore um or, you know, we when you go to that 18th date, you're like, I'm bored. 
Mm. Um, as one, I used as to be exciting. I used to get like an <laughs> like I just it was electric. Yeah. As one and philosopher now, used to say, uh, "You don't make me feel like loving you." Sorry, it's just a philosopher from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what philosopher? You don't I get the song. Th- you don't make me feel like loving you. Sorry, that was very. That just killed the moment. I'm so sorry. Maybe Thomas Aquinas. I don't know. That is good. Um, but yeah, literally, that's those statements, right? Show us and prove that we've, we we began the relationship with the with the question of how can I be satisfied? Yeah, selfish. Yeah, selfish. yeah. Um, and that's why I fall out because ultimately, at the end of the day, the relationship ends up not being about us, and we are not happy. I'm no longer the godness relationship, so I'm leaving you. Is mm. is what we basically say. Um, and we need to move away from that uh, mode of thinking to an other-centered, Christ-exampled um, act of selflessness and self-giving. Would you guys say the opposite of love is indifference? So we were talking about this before you came, Edgem. Indifference? I think it was a quote. I can't remember the guy's name now. Holocaust survivor, mm. Ellie. I'll find a quote and tell you. Mm. Um, but he said the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And by indifference, we mean sort of ambivalence yeah because he was mm. saying that i think he said obviously love and hate have emotions whereas have emotions. indifference there is no emotion, no emotion involved You're almost like yeah a, a, a emotional emotion. yeah um i'm just thinking biblically can we say that the opposite of love is indifferent because i would say indifference is a form of hate Indifference is a form of hate. You'll flip things on its side. <laughs> oh my, 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 my. You're so silly. <laughs> wow. What do you think? That actually blew my mind. I'm just here. Like, uh, I guess it's credible enough for some pause for thought. Um, indifference. Ellie Weasel is the. Indifference. So. Oh, that's. In loving you, I show you this intense emotion. In hating you, I show you also intense emotion. Although it's a negative emotion. As a, you know, uh, in, in as opposed to the positive one that love shows, mm-hmm. indifference shows neither. But indifference, you're saying, can also be described as possibly hating someone because you're not showing them, also you're not showing them any love. Any love. Yeah. So to not love is to hate. Is that is that is that? So not love is to be indifferent. Mary suggesting, to not love which is, is hate. Mm. Which is hate. So it also comes back to hate. Yeah, I, I don't or know. Or does it? Mm. Is the scale like, uh, like the, the say the right end for 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 sake of like um, uh, imagery? So the right is like hate, hmm. middle indifference, left love. Is that what we're saying? Is that, is that a actually, scale? I think actually, I'm um, sure. Trying to trying to reconstruct this in my mind. If so, you said I think um, love and hate essentially have emotions involved, yeah. and indifference doesn't, which is one of the, like the what separates it out from the two. And actually, I was thinking, if we abstract emotion from love and hate, which is possible, I mean, we could say that one can love somebody else without necessarily feeling the emotion, quote, of love, um, then maybe indifference is hatred apart from the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... Because indifference says this... I'm not sure, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, here's, here's my thesis. Indifference, <laughs> indifference says... Mm-hmm. He, I've come to the conclusion that you're not worthy of my concern, consideration, thoughts, and even attention. 
Is that indifference? Yeah. But it, I thought indifference is more the person almost apathetic to show any emotion. Yeah, like there's there's nothing well, about as a result you. Of that there's nothing person. about you that warrants my my my, my, my energy, my yeah. my effort in any regard, whether to love or to hate. Yeah. There is nothing. It's almost like a an absolute dehumanization. Like to look at a, a group of people and say, "There's nothing about them that warrants any sort of emotional response." They just are. Mm. And I there is nothing that comes that from hate. Then that indifference yes, is I'm saying, born I'm saying, from is, hate. Is, is that, I, is think that, I think there's an indifference that is born from that individual who's showing that indifference, just being somewhat I don't know, distant from being able to show emotion. What do you mean? So maybe someone who's in a position where they need to be taught how to love. Oh, perhaps. Do you know what I mean? But mm, this is where it gets complicated. I'm not wow. sure. I think I think indifference Be- even as a, categ- a, a two categories to be made of people who show that. Do you know what I mean? The way you describe indifference, there, I'm I'm thinking, and yeah. correct me here, I'm thinking that indifference could would it not ordinary not ordinarily, but in my mind, I imagine it to be birthed out of a. Um, defective view of healthy human relationships perhaps yeah perhaps. which would um which i would almost want to say is a result of trauma as opposed perhaps, to perhaps. as opposed to an active a response to an, another individual who yeah has, so right you grew up in a household where you were shown indifference right and so that's all you know and so you go around showing indifference not because you've chosen to show indifference as such, but you are the essentially the victim of indifference. But how do you and show that's, indifference? And that's the language, and that's the only language you know. Well, indifference can be shown like you know, very non-committal, very. Mm. Um, I guess non-committal is probably what comes to mind straight away. Um, perhaps, perhaps in some way, quite um, introspective, always looking inwardly and never looking outwardly to try and foster relationships hmm. this all can result with trauma or someone's just poor understanding of human relationships hmm. um, do you know what I mean so I think even in that so I still think opposite of love is hate I can't lie because yeah. love for me is giving life hate hmm. is you. You're, hate is very closely aligned to death because scripture so I think I think they're the polar opposites and indifference are those people in between not in between but people who, who have raised your life sort of fit in that box perhaps who for one reason or another just find it, it difficult to show emotion um, maybe as a result of trauma or, or to upbringing or as a result of how someone directly um, has treated them at that moment in time mm. Mm. sure yeah <laughs> yeah an article touches on uh, I think it says four types of love uh, love with other human beings a relationship to the cosmos and the universe or the nature or, or nature question of god or ultimate reality and then the the problematic one of loving yourself um mm. and i was just two questions in terms of how important is it for you to love yourself and then lastly just looking on god's love like what is the apologetic if someone said oh i don't how do i know that god is loving like how do i know of god's love how would we explain that um to the first one the importance of loving yourself. Yeah, so so I think yeah. so. I think what um, I'm going to butcher her name, but what Werner Genrod, 
we might even be a man. You're sorry. just butchering <laughs> these names. Catholic theologian at Oxford University. Hmm. How can you relate to the radical other and most problematic is our relationship to ourselves? How can I love me? So essentially, self-love is having a right view of yourself according to what God has said about you. Um, and so that does two things. First of all, it says we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, i.e. pride, and attribute to us what is not truly reflective of us. In essence, saying, I, you know, I know more or I know what I can do better for myself than God has said for me. That in and of itself is a dehumanizing process. Mm. Um, an example of this is not a perfect example, but um, tools are designed for certain things. If I get a hammer, it's designed for hitting nails into wood and it does its job best and it's most valuable when it fulfills its purpose. If the hammer, we anthropomorphize this hammer, says, hey, I am so much more worthy than being <laughs> a tool to hit nails into wood. I can um, be used to steer your car. You're going to crash the car. Mm. And actually, you're going to, you're in a sense, you're, the purpose of that hammer de- decreases. Not because um, it can't do its role, but because it's exercised pride and it's gone beyond its stated purpose. And God has designed us and purposed in us a certain goal and when we go outside of that even if we think in our pride oh this is going to be good for me mm. because it's outside of the purpose of god and and his design for us it actually dehumanizes us in the process um and the other thing that i think which is probably more relevant in not more relevant pride is a relevant issue in our culture um but it's equally relevant i guess to be fair um is to not think too low of yourself yeah. as well. Mm. So self-flagellation. Yeah, and saying, you know, God has said all these wonderful things about me. I made His image. I have the ability to love. Um, I reflect um, His distinction as this created distinct from from the other creatures and all these things. And and saying, oh, those aren't true. Mm. Um, I I am worse than that. Again, it's like the hammer saying. I'm not really designed to hit nails in wood. You are designed to hit nails. Mm. This hammer analogy, I'm questioning it. Anyway. Mm. Um, no, because the hammer's asking, is it hammer time? I'm not... Uh, or, <laughs> yes. I cannot do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and that self-flagellation, again, it's it's saying God got it wrong and it's a dehumanizing process. And, and I think that one is more obvious for us to see in that you're, you're literally saying what God has said about you and all the beautiful, good, true um, things that God has said about you aren't so and you dehumanize yourself. And so when we stay in that design and purpose that God has built into humanity and we see it for its fullness, um, there we find self-love because then we can flourish as intended. Mm. I think I think even when I read the article, I've, of course this is just me, but I, I generally was like, of course, there are there are instances when people do struggle with self-esteem, where people mm. do struggle with a low view of self. Yeah. And I yeah. think that does need to be, be dealt with. But yeah. I think most cases we love ourselves too much. Mm. Um, and I think it's natural for us to love ourselves. Even when I thought, thought, of, the, I thought of the scripture of Ephesians 5, when it talks about in the same way when husbands should love their own wives as their own body, mm. who, who loves his wife loves himself, and no one ever hated his own flesh, mm-hmm. but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of the body. But mm. that, that assumption that you're not going to, 
bite yourself. You're going to yeah. love yourself. You're going to want to train yourself. And I think the issue is that we love ourselves too much, which feeds into mm. the whole pride, puffing ourselves up, thinking we know more than more than God, which is, again, a, a, the greatest danger, isn't it? Mm. What do you think, Edgem, about no, it's just I think Israel's made the points, but it's interesting that the Bible even assumes that we, we will love ourselves. Yeah. Mm. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. yeah. Husbands, love your wives like yourselves or you know wife is uh, your wife is almost like your own body mm. so the bible almost assumes that we we love ourselves so i don't think it's entirely wrong to love yourself but again it's just the degrees and you know are we making ourselves an idol um mm. um against and over god um so yeah and i guess it's not really love is it like if you're just so absorbed in yourself and like mm. you know what i mean you you think too highly of yourself i guess that's not really loving yourself that's just you know, I don't know. It's not love. It's more perverse than that, isn't it? Mm. Because you're not really. If you loved yourself, you would have self-control, um, mm. buffer the body. You would, you know, um, uh, you know, just display the, the fruits of the spirit uh, because you know these are good for you, mm. uh, and that is true self-love. Mm. And when we think of love in terms of God's love being the apex of love, as you said earlier about God is love. Mm. If if someone was to say. I don't actually think, how do I know God is loving? How, yeah, how can yeah. you prove that God loves me? How do how can you prove that God is a loving being? Yeah. How would you, how would you try and explain that to them? I feel like a preacher now, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to. I asked it like it was a Q&A as you well. You did, you did, you did. <laughs> yeah, John I Piper. mean, no greater love, you know, hmm. than a man, that, uh, does a man have than to lay his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. No greater love, that sacrificial love, up with, you know, uh, uh, that goes up until death. Mm. Um, I guess you can ask that person, you know, who have you died for? Mm. Mm. That will prove. <laughs> you know I'm mean? dying because Edgem did the funniest face after. I'm just looking at who you died for. You know, because wow. you know, we, we love, we love our, you know, parents and our wives, husbands, children. Um, but, you know, in many cases, we haven't, we're not expected, you know, you're not, we haven't, you know, experienced in the, uh, a situation in which we are, we we've expected to die for them. We haven't reached a situation in which we are, to, you know, to preserve their life where, where, where we have to die. Um, you know, those situations can come, but you know, majority is that you know the, the common thing that we haven't done that. So um, it sort of humbles you, and you know, just reminded that you know Christ, and Christ wasn't just a man; he was God. And Philippians two, I think, is you know encapsulates you know the humility of Christ, the most beautiful way in Scripture. Mm. You know what he was in being God, and you know um, on the throne to come down to dwell with those who created, and to then be subject to death by those who created him mm. because of love. I mean, you're gonna have to. Someone has to be quite hard-hearted and quite hard-headed to suggest that they have a greater love than that. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, God is love. Do you know what I mean? Mm. How do you respond to like the problem of evil and in light of God's love? Wow! <laughs> that is wow. dropping like that's wow. them perennial questions. Them <laughs> questions that have lasted as long as mankind is. Um, Could you just? Because I'm just um, assuming you just say, "Oh, well, but how do I know God is loving? Because if He created this world, this world has evil. so much. Yeah. Like, mm. how do you respond to questions like that? Um, Whatever I say, just as a preface, will not be exhaustive, nor <laughs> substantial yeah, yeah, yeah. and satisfactory for those who are generally asking this question. That is to say, whatever you hear from my lips after this <laughs> is not the entirety of um, the fullness of a response that I think um, hits at all the different angles of this question. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not satisfied, 
I'm so sorry you can return the product <laughs> within seven days and you get your full money's back. Well, um, Israel can back. Um, provide a book recommendation for you to yeah, read. Yeah, yeah. Or you um, and sell it to you note, and pay for it. Um, Walking with Jesus Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller is a good one. Um, if you if you do, we need to ban that word. Right ah, name. Shout Tim Keller, man. Keller. Oh, Israel met Tim Keller the other day. Yes, yes, that was exciting. You met your dad? Um, yeah, it was, it was, oh my days. <laughs> it was a really good sermon as well on diversity and um a practical sort of like seminar on how to where'd you meet him um redeemer city to city oh, conference nice. at uh inspire st james's clark and well which is where like off farrandon station mm-hmm. um do you know the time you met him like 2 44 <laughs> it was actually 12 <laughs> okay, and i put his session. arm around my shoulder and i cried <laughs> <laughs> i haven't watched that blazer since <laughs> loser <laughs> Oh yeah, well, oh yeah, problem of um, pain. So another one, NT, right? Evil and the justice of God. NT. Um, is a good one. Uh, and I think just to, as a throw out as well, the Ver- the Veritas Forum, V-E-R, very, V-E-R-I-T-A-S Forum has a lot of talks on their website, on the YouTube channel, um, addressing the problem of evil, of, um, problem of pain and suffering. Ravi Zacharias is another good person to listen to on that topic. Um, Israel, I'm waiting for these to answer the question. Okay, sorry, um, just doing bare book just, recommendations. Uh, um, okay, it's just to so, add, to, just to add even more dimension, another dimension to your question. Yeah, you know, there's that add famous the YouTube, you, you know, that, that YouTube interview, or interview on YouTube with um, you know, a very very prominent like you know author, political um, commentator, um, gay rights activist who was like God, you know, obviously a, an atheist. who was like you know, on this very point, evil shows that. A god of love couldn't exist you know i've hmm. i've known over there's this very terrible he refers to like a terrible like a i don't know um uh, um virus or something that yeah. that that leads uh children to have worms um uh like eating through their eyeballs hmm. uh, and when you hear that, that it's quite compelling right for mm. someone who's still weighing up the you know existence of god and maybe had the question in their mind to hear that and be convinced hmm. so you know just to make your life just a bit more harder i just thought you know how would you respond to that um okay I'll, I'll i'll try and do a number of things first of all um i think the the problem of evil is one that is probably the the, the most compelling um argument against christianity um, and they believe in God and so it's a, it's a real thing not just in terms of the abstract question which is its own challenge but the personal nature of the question for which it, for many people um, hits very close to home if not directly in the home mm. itself um, one of the things that you find in, in the Christian faith is that first of all the problem of evil is, is addressed openly it is not one of those things where it's a hush hush topic of hey we, we believe in God, but this, this issue of evil, we are not going to really talk about it. It's that secret topic that we don't discuss. In the Bible, it's, it's all over the place. And there's no better place to go to than the Psalms, where you read the Psalmist, the David, um, other writers, just saying, God, there is evil. What's going on? What's happening? And so for anyone who's asking that question, listen, the biblical authors ask the same question. Mm. Um, and what you find in those texts actually is this honesty about the problem but also a dependence on the god who can be trusted 
the question here is then in the midst of pain and suffering why why or what is the reason for which i can trust um god even in that place and one of the reasons probably the most compelling reason is that god actually enters the pain and suffering of this world Mm. so we don't have a distant god Mm. that is um holy w-h-o w-h-o-l-l-y holy um transcendent completely set apart distant says your pain and suffering is over there i'm not going to participate in it that's your business to sort out you have free will do your own thing he doesn't do any anything like that he actually enters fully into it and he takes upon himself the greatest degree of pain um not only down on a cross which is the you know the worst form of punishment and death in the first century but also literally taking on the wrath of god which was the highest degree of pain and suffering that anyone can take upon themselves mm. um and so God actively enters that pain and suffering and says, I'm going to walk with you through that pain and suffering. I'm going to take upon that pain and suffering on your behalf as well. And so we have a God who's intimately involved in that and not distant, which for me, for example, sets Christianity apart from a faith like Islam, which has a, again, holy transcendent, W-H-O, transcendent God that's just completely distant. There is no imminence, no closeness. There is mm. no Emmanuel, God with us yeah. in our pain, in our happiness, in our in our experience. There's, there isn't there isn't that kind of theology present. But it also um, <clears throat> speaks of a God who actually addresses the pain and suffering. We read in the in the in the scriptures about um, the renewal of the world through the act of redemption. The, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was the first fruits of. Um, many resurrections to come it was the first fruits of the renewal of the world and actually what you see is a breaking into the world um and a making right of all wrongs and in the end all wrongs will be made right mm. that means when hitler killed himself in an attempt to escape justice he didn't get away with it he yeah. didn't and it's good and it will be addressed and it will be addressed perfectly and exhaustively um which for me again makes um christianity stand out over and above a, a, um a belief system like buddhism that has this very scary idea of karma when when you really stop to really think about what karma is karma isn't just you get what you deserve or whatever you do um you, you know whatever you reap you sow it is saying literally in every aspect of the world whatever is present is because you deserve it which means those people who are born into a state of poverty deserve to be born into the state of poverty they did they clearly did something in their previous life yeah that warrants their present state which is why the caste system could flourish for so long and it still flourishes in india where in places like india it's not just in india um where you have faces that are so built on a system of karma says injustice can't exist in a world that is exhaustively karma um because at no point can you say this is not right whatever you we see in this earth right now is a direct result of the previous life there is no injustice present we don't have that in christianity we do have injustice stated you know we the birds are trying to preach, preach. <laughs> <laughs> the birds are saying preach, preach, even preach. the birds hear the words <laughs> you, you, ha- you have um in christianity god declaring there is injustice there is wrong and i'm going to enter to make it right um there isn't a denial of that and the last thing i'll say is a denial of the christian faith or of the christian answer christian response doesn't get rid of the problem of evil ultimately the problem of evil is a problem for everyone irrespective of their belief system and which is why i've actually tried to in a sense frame it 
in contrast to um, Islam or Buddhism and so on because that question needs to be answered by all mm. you know it's, it's, it's an unavoidable reality of human existence and so if you're if you're really going to um, um, say that the Christian answer is unsatisfactory the question I pose to you is what is a satisfactory answer um, and I want to argue there is no satisfactory outside of the Christian um, mm. vision of Jesus Christ entering the world to address the pain and suffering and walking with us in that pain and suffering. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think in Psalm 86, 15, where it says, but mm. you are Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and mm. faithfulness. And there's hundreds and hundreds of verses on the, in mm. the Bible on God's love, mm. like God's enduring love yeah. in various contexts in terms of him being merciful, in terms of him being kind and slow to, compa- slow to, mer- slow to anger and, and so forth. So yeah. So how, how do you guys try to remind yourselves of, of God's love through the scriptures? Ed Jimsky? Mm. Uh Currently reading through minor prophets. I hate using hmm. the word minor, just, just that they have like, Shorter books yeah. than the other yeah. prophets. So like, shout out Obadiah Nedu, <laughs> Obadiah shout out Amos, shout out Joe, shout out Amy, shout out the Let me because uh, I guess so. In reading, in reading the minor prophets uh, and just the prophets in general, or the Old Testament, you know, Old Testament part of the Bible, you just see this. You just see this. You know this steadfast ever-present constant loving god who deals with these people who even for the reader like myself get frustrated Mm. uh, um, with reading about you know uh, what is it that god hasn't shown israel is not the part of the red sea deliverance from egypt continual you know um, fellowship even even in the wilderness um, uh, provision of food um, water a provision of even Moses and uh, you know and a system of living and a government of living uh, with the priests and a way of finding atonement is it you know blessing of their their, their, their children is it um, uh, even uh, a favor found in, in in even the lands that they've uh, inhabited and yet still their murmurs there's grumblings there's complainings there's as though they could insurrect God's throne. Do you know what I mean? Mm. As though they literally have an equal power with God. Um, and that has really reminded me of God's love, you know, because if God has uh, been able to, or was able to deal with Israel in a just manner, yet still be that God that is a consuming fire, God of justice, of God of, you know, um, judgment for sin. Yet, you know... Uh, Equally and even probably more so, if you read the sort, you know the the balance of the um, uh, of the uh, of the mercy and judgment of God, the children of Israel had. All you can really see is a God of love. Mm. Um, there are parts where you see God's justice, but it is you know it is really um, not to say it's shadowed by, but. There's just abundance of God's love and mercy to them. So that's reminded me of his love throughout times past mm. and just knowing that he is the God of yesterday, today and forever. Um, and, you know, that that just reminded me that I am very much like the children of Israel. 
I could have seen the Red Sea, I'm sure, and still doubted God's love and his existence the very next day. I've seen it in my own life. One day I'm up, devotion, everything, life's looking good, you know, loving the Lord, loving reading, loving singing hymns. The next day, I'm, you know, you grow cold, you, you almost lose faith, uh, and you wonder, you know, when you come back to God for repentance and forgiveness, why does God deal with me? Why does he have time for me? I'm always, and then, then the week, it's like a cycle, you know, yeah. obviously you, you pray it happens less and less, but the cycle almost, in a way, will, will continue on this side of eternity while on earth. Um, but just seeing his love in scripture and seeing it just in, 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 in like, in, in my experience um, and in his word, and in his word applied to my life, is reminds me of his love. It does remind me of his love. Read the Minor Prophets, man. It's hmm. really, really <laughs> good cool. encouragement for the Minor Prophets. Yeah, but even when you read through the Bible, there's just so many kind of. I like how God speaks to us in many different ways. Yeah. So, like, I'm just finished reading Ruth and hmm. Kingsman Redeemer and shout out Boaz and just hmm. how he redeemed her and how that's a picture of yeah. Christ redeeming us. And then you think of something like Hosea, or you, or you just think of. Esther and this endless mm. stories in the Old Testament and the New Testament where God shows us his love in many different ways. You can't just say, Oh, I didn't get it. I didn't get I didn't get the fact that, you know, the ark means that mm. Christ is saving me us from hell. No, okay, I, but I will there's no excuse not to get this mm. or that. Yeah, and yeah, and God's really yeah, yeah, um yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of him him he kind of patronizes us in a sense yeah. of wanting to mm. just accommodate our 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 forgetful hearts and, and how foolish we are and how and how slow uh, we are and just daily showing us in, in many parts of scripture just his abounding love for us hmm. anything to add Israel? Um, I completely agree in terms of looking to the scriptures and seeing God's love there um, recently I looked, I looked back to my favourite psalm Psalm 23 Jeez. and I was just like oh honestly that, that, that psalm <laughs> Israel was mm. definitely raised oh, in a Christian home <laughs> get the hymns now um, and I'm just thinking wow like do you have that memorized I essentially should we test yeah, it no wow that was um, something you had mm. to get me- I had that memorized I, I, at I, 10 I, my mum was like Psalm 23 you now got no, Psalm no yeah, yeah and in advance there was Psalm 91 I just, I just played it in my head and <laughs> <laughs> in advance um, Psalm 119 <laughs> oh, wow that's, that's really Christian <laughs> oh, boy <laughs> But yeah, what's challenge? If you can Black recite Psalm 119, we will give you five books <laughs> of your choice, courtesy of Mary's bank account. You're, it's always you're always <laughs> volunteering to Honos's bank account. What about yours? Have that you seen my sure. figures? <laughs> <laughs> Even my NatWest card was crying for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what was Psalm 23? Um, just like what the good does this? The good shepherd um, is one who is relentlessly focused on the health the flourishing of the sheep mm. irrespective of the sheep's desires and um failings and going astray mm. um there's, a, there's this constancy that that is just so captivating it's it's it's, it's like really you 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 seek to restore me anytime mm. I fall astray. Every time I, I I go wayward, you 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 settle me down um, by the the still waters. You mm. restore my soul. This is this like the shepherd is committed. It's a full orbed commitment that's just so um, beautifully disturbing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, mm-hmm. how, how, why, why yeah, are you so committed? Yeah. This is crazy. 
why why would anyone be this committed to another um, even yet, when you think of like the um the new testament where the shepherd will leave 99 sheep just to mm, find the one it's like but you've got 99 others like mm, most people would be like oh, let that sheep go yeah. <laughs> but like you will and you will yeah. bring it home and you will rejoice that you found the the, mm. the other sheep that was astray yeah and and and, and, and as i've looked at it, i just think that is a kind of love that not only um brings the the soul to life but it can't but help draw the person out into actually showing that kind of love to others and mm. um, as, as as we were speaking i just i just i was, just, I was thinking about um uh, a preacher from um, nashville um scott souls and his church's mission statement mission statement vision statement is joining Jesus Christ in his mission of loving people, places, and things to life. And I was thinking about that mission statement, um, and it just, I, I think you mentioned this, Edge, um, where it's like a radical act of love that brings things to life. Mm. Yeah, I and mentioned just, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and literally, so that's the one, and it's like, I almost have like a. I'm having a, a an epiphany moment, basically, um, <laughs> light bulb moment, where where it's like wow, seeing and experiencing such a deep level of love actually births life. Mm. Um, it brings out such a, a an abundant life that it flows into others, and and that life spreads. Um, that essentially Jesus Christ loved us to life. Mm. Um, his love was so radical that it, it brought us. Um, into life and so in our in our living when we show that love we are extending um life to our we are showing others a life-giving source um mm. we are showing us a type of love that will result in true abundant life as god designed mm. that was really good guys that was deep mm. that was really good i think our time has has, has far gone past so mm. we're gonna end it here but this was definitely a yes. the food of love episode food <laughs> <laughs> mm, of love is that a title man yeah keep Bruh, smelling keep smelling Mary. love around <laughs> hashtag watermelon hashtag watermelon 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 that actually finished but now thanks Edwin for joining us hey yes. thank you for inviting me it was a pleasure oh thanks guys for listening guys give us your thoughts mm. uh, comments mm. follow us on uh, Facebook Twitter Blackberry, all at Blackberry, Blackberry.com as well. We've got some new articles hopefully yes. coming this week. Bang, new bang. videos coming soon bang, as bang, well. Bang, bang. So, yeah, this has been Mary. This has been Israel. Forever, Virgin. And this is Blackberry. Peace.